Yeah. All right. Hello, everyone. How's it going? It's good. Or bad. Or interesting. Or enlightening. Wow. Thank you for that. Good to hear. I hope I'm not talk over talking you. I did ask you how you were, and I just start saying good. Let me really sit here with it. How are you doing? Hmm. All right. It's enough. I appreciate your information. This is Reading with Finest. I am Finest. Uh, I'm going to be reading to you American Indian Myths and Legends. All right. And the story I'm going to read from American Indian Myths and Legends today is the story of the deer hunter and the white corn maiden. Uh, follow me at Everything's Just Fine on Instagram to see illustrations of mine. Hey, hey, hey. Try to read every day. If not, don't even sweat it. I'll do it for you. I got that ability and skill set to read to you. Also, I have a microphone, so that also very much helps in internet. Helps even more. Uh, and light. Ugh, the blessings, they keep coming. Uh, it. Uh, I got a bookmark that helps me stay, stay on page. Two uh, hands to flip the page. Oh, man, I have so much. I. This is why I'm reading with finest. This is why I'm doing this, because I have so much, and I have so much to give, and here's here I am doing it. Uh, Let's get it started. Deer Hunter and White Corn Maiden. This is a Tawa story. Long ago, in the ancient home of the San Juan people, in a village whose ruins can be seen across the river from the from present-day San Juan, lived two magical gifted young people. The youth was called Deer Hunter because even as a boy, he was the only one who never returned empty-handed from the hunt. The girl, whose name was White Corn Maiden, made the finest pottery and embroidered clothing with most beautiful designs of any woman in the village. These two were the handsomest couple in the village, and it was no surprise to their parents that they always sought one another's company. Seeing that they were favored by the gods, the villagers assumed that they were destined to marry. And in time, they did. And contrary to their elders' expectations, they began to spend even more time with one another. White Corn Maiden began to ignore her pottery making and embroidery, while Deer Hunter gave up hunting at a time when he could have saved many of his people from hunger. They even began to forget their religious obligations. At the request of the pair's worried parents, the tribal elders called a council. This young couple was ignoring all the traditions by which the tribe had lived and perspired, and the people feared that angry gods might bring famine, flood, sickness, or some other disaster upon the village. But Deer Hunter and White Corn Maiden ignored the consul's pleas and drew closer together, swearing that nothing would ever part them. A sense of doom pervaded the village, even though it was late spring and all nature had unfolded in new life. Then suddenly, White Corn Maiden became ill, and within three days she died. Deer Hunter's grief had no bounds. He refused to speak or eat, preferring to, to keep watch beside his wife's body until she was buried early the next day. For four days after death, every soul wanders in and around his village and seeks forgiveness for those whom it may have wronged in life. 
it is a time of unease for the living. Since the soul may appear in the form of a wind, a disembodied voice, a dream, or even a in a human shape. To prevent such a visitation, the villagers go to the dead person before burial and utter a soft prayer of forgiveness. And on the fourth day after death, the relatives gather to perform a ceremony, releasing the soul into the spirit world, from which it will never return. But Deer Hunter was unable to accept his wife's death, death. Knowing that he might see her during the four-day interlude, he began to wander around the lodge of the village. Soon he drifted farther out and into the fields, and it was here at sundown of the fourth day, even while his relatives were gathering for the ceremony of release, that he spotted a small fire near a clump of bushes. Deer Hunter drew close, closer and found his wife, as beautiful as she was in life and dressed in all her finery. Cubbing, combing her hair, her long hair with a cactus brush in preparation for the last journey, he fell weeping at her feet, imploring her not to leave but to return with him to the village before the releasing rite was consumed. White Corn Maiden begged her husband to let her go because she no longer belonged to the world of the living. He, her return would anger the spirits, she said, and anyhow, soon she would no longer be beautiful and Deer Hunter would shun her. her. He brushed her pleas aside by pleading his undying love and promising that he would let nothing part them. Eventually, she relented, saying that she would hold him into his promise. They entered the village just as their relatives were marching to the shrine with the food offering that would release the soul of White Corn Maiden. They were horrified when they saw her, and again, they and the village elders begged Deer Hunter to let her go. He ignored them, and an air of grim expectancy settled over the village. The couple returned to their home, but before many days had passed, Deer Hunter noticed that his wife was beginning to have an unpleasant odor. Then he saw that her, her beautiful face had grown ashen and her skin dry. At first, he only turned his back on her as they slept. Later, he began to sit up on the roof all night, but White Corn Maiden always joined him. In time, the villagers became used to the sight of Deer Hunter racing among the houses and through the fields with White Corn Maiden, not, now not much more than skin and bones in, in hot pursuit. Things continued in this way until one misty morning, a tall and imposing figure appeared in a small dance court at the center of the village. He was dressed in spotless uh, white buckskin robes and carried the biggest bow anyone had ever seen. On his back was slung a great quiver with the two largest arrows anyone had ever seen. He remained standing at the center of the village and called in a voice that carried into every home. For Deer Hunter and White Corn Maiden, such was its authority that the couple stepped forward meekly and stood facing him. The awe-inspiring figure told the couple that he had been sent from the spirit world because the deer hunter and white corn maiden had violated the people, their, their people's tradition and angered the spirits. That's because they had been so selfish. They had brought grief and near disaster to the village. Since you insist on being together, he said, you shall have your wish. You will chase one another forever across the sky as visible reminders. 
that your people must live according to tradition if they are to survive. With this, he set Deer Hunter on one arrow and shot him low into the western sky, putting White Corn Maiden on the other arrow. He placed her just behind her husband. That evening, the villagers saw two new stars in the west. The first large and very bright began to move east across the uh, heavens. The second, a smaller flickering star followed close behind. So it is to this day, according to the Tiwa, the brighter one is Deer Hunter, placed there in the prime of his life. The dimmer star is White Corn Maiden, set there after she had died. Yet she will forever chase her husband across the heavens. Translated by the Tawa by Afonso Ortiz. That was a wonderful story. Um, what I love more than death stories is stories of heartbreak. They make me also, oh I don't know, sad. Make me feel things. I always feel just like just sadness in my pit, and I'm just like, ah, I don't know. Just enjoy it for some reason. Like the sad movies as well. So this was a good one, a tearjerker. Real sad. Two star-crossed lovers. Really, there it is. Uh, they will never be able to cross because uh, the main star will always be uh, running, and his wife will always be chasing uh, because she could never go out into the afterlife and wasn't forgiven for her uh, death by her husband. Is what I got from that. Great story. I enjoyed it. I'll be back here tomorrow to read to you again. Hopefully, maybe something with a, a little better of a tale. Well, the, the moral of the story is to, to be able to let go. Things end, okay? I think there's a beginning and an ending to everything. Um, and that is what we're doing here in life, hopefully, is trying to learn how to accept those things and, and live with them and keep on moving and keep on uh, trucking on if you can. Uh, thank you for listening. All right. I'll be back here tomorrow. Follow your dreams. Ba-do-do-do-do-ba-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do